0: Well, hello, thank you so much for joining us today where we are asking the question, what on earth is the church? And in fact, we're going to be looking at this question over the next three weeks together. And the reason for looking at this question is because we are living in the age of deconstruction. Deconstruction simply meaning that at the moment, lots of people are rethinking their traditional habits, priorities, beliefs and behaviours. And a global pandemic has accelerated that, pro- that process, but really it's shown us what was already under the surface in many people's lives. A little bit like the Titanic revealed the iceberg that was always there. Many people are hitting this moment in their life because they've had to pause, step back, face a crisis, they've had to stop the normal habits and routines of life and suddenly the doubts and questions about what we really believe have come to the surface. One writer says it this way he says there is a throne at the heart of every culture and whoever sits on it is the force that we will take instruction from there is a throne at the heart of western culture and certainly british culture and that throne is not jesus for most people the throne at the the one sitting on the throne for most people is money and self and that means that Deconstruction is almost an inevitable fruit. As soon as you take Jesus off the throne and put something else on it, we start to take our instructions from that thing. And that inevitably leads people to the process of deconstructing their faith, having doubts about their faith, and ultimately ending up in a place where they give up their faith altogether. And of course, many people are also asking big questions about what the church is whether they should even stay being part of a church anymore if they're a Christian. Maybe if you're not yet a Christian watching this you're thinking well does the church really have any relevance like is it relevant for me today? What on earth is the church? Anyway these are legitimate questions and the truth is people have always asked these questions about the church since its very beginning in first century Palestine. People have always had questions about what the church is. And of course, the church was born onto the streets of Jerusalem in Israel and into an era where Romans and Greeks were the kind of predominant kind of civilized kind of force in the world. And Romans and Greeks had massive questions about the church. They had all sorts of opinions about what the church was. So, for example, um, the average Greek or Roman thought that many Christians were actually cannibals, that they were flesh eaters. Because they heard this strange rumor about them drinking the cup of Christ that represented his blood and taking the bread which represented his body. And so there was this rumor that the church is a bunch of cannibals, they're flesh eaters. Another rumor about the church in the early days was that the church were were grossly immoral people. And the reason for that is because they called each other brother and sister in the church. And even though they weren't part of the same biological family, they referred to each other in these familial ways. And for outsiders, Greeks and Romans, they looked on and like, that's gross, that's, that's immoral. How can you refer to someone as your brother or sister when they're not in your actual biological family? Um, other people even labeled the church as atheists in the early days because Christians only worshipped one God called Jesus. And of course in a polytheistic culture with many Greek and Roman gods actually the Christians were considered atheists for only worshipping one God. And so this question of what on earth is the church has, has been going around since the day the church was first born. And so if you've got questions about the church friends you're in good company and it's a question that's always been asked. And of course for us to accurately understand who the church is, what the church is, We have to step away from some of our cultural, historical, traditional understanding of the church and try and step back into the pages of scripture to see what the Bible actually teaches about the church, to see what God first says about the people of God, to there get our definitions of what the church is. Because when you go into the pages of the New Testament, you find this breathtaking picture of who the church is and what they are meant to be on the earth. Because ultimately, the church is a community that is meant to embody God, to represent God on planet Earth. One of the writers, Paul, puts it this way. He says, if Jesus is the head, then the church is his body. Jesus is the head and we are his body another writer says that we are now partakers of the divine nature we are connected to Jesus that's his church we're not just an organization or a corporation or an institution no 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 we are mystically united and connected to Jesus so deeply that it's like we are connected like a body to a head Jesus is our living head and we are now a living body connected to him in fact one of the early zealots in the Jewish faith who persecuted the church was a guy called Saul he later went on to become the apostle Paul but when he was in his Jewish faith he was a persecutor of the church and he threw men and women who were Christians into prison. He stood at the feet of people who stoned Stephen as he died and became one of the first martyrs in the church. Saul was a violent persecutor of the church. And yet one day he has this experience on the road to Damascus, where he gets knocked off his horse by a blinding light. He hears a voice and he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? and he says who is this speaking and he says my name is Jesus and that's a fascinating encounter because Jesus in that moment identifies himself so closely with the church that if you mess with the church you mess with Jesus because Jesus and the church are now one. I recently got the privilege of taking the wedding of Sam, my son and Hannah, my now daughter-in-law and it was just a glorious occasion a few weeks ago now where we celebrated their wedding and every time we celebrate a wedding we remember this truth about the mystical union of Jesus and his church and Paul, Saul as we've just heard about, he wrote these verses many years later about the church Ephesians 5.31, he wrote, As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This, he goes on to say, is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Did you get that? Paul is saying, Every time you go to a wedding and you see a man and a woman joining in marriage as a symbol of two becoming one, he says this is an illustration of a much greater cosmic reality, and it's this that Jesus and the church are now one. So, what does the Bible tell us about the church? The church is actually the body of Christ. It's not an institution, it's not an organisation, it's not just a big collection of people. The church are the very people, the body of Christ on the earth. And that's, that means that you cannot love Jesus but not love his church. You cannot love his church without loving Jesus because they come together as a package deal. And listen, is the church perfect on the earth? Of course not. There are many weaknesses, there are frailties, there are imperfections, there are things that need redeeming and strengthening. And yes, the church does not get everything right by any means. We are a work in progress, but I tell you what, God loves the church and he has a plan for the church. And the church is God's primary mission agent on planet earth to bring about his kingdom into every sphere of society on the planet. The church is God's plan A, it always has been God's plan A, and it always will be God's plan A because we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. We represent him on the earth, that's who the church is. And so God has not finished with his church and in fact the word church is this word ecclesia. It's a Greek word that simply means those who've been called out to assemble together. Those who've been called out to assemble together. And we see this word Ecclesia used in three different ways. Sometimes it talks about the global church, sometimes it talks about a church in a region, so the churches in Bedfordshire. And then most often it talks about the churches in specific localities that met in people's homes or met in the temple courts in a particular town or city. Ecclesia, those who've been called out to assemble. Now that word can be seen in two ways. Firstly, there's the spiritual sense that we, the church, are those that have been called out of darkness and into light. We've been called out of uh, an old kingdom represented by sin and death and the enemy. We've been called out of that into God's family. There's that very spiritual sense. But also, many writers will say that Ecclesia also has a physical, literal meaning, that the church are those who assemble together. They called out of their homes to assemble together and in the act of doing that it's a prophetic statement of what has happened spiritually so why do i take my pajamas off get my clothes on get in my car and drive to go to a church meeting why do i do that because i have been called out to assemble assemble with brothers and sisters all of whom have the same father I've been called to worship with my brothers and sisters and so for that reason I leave my home to gather as a prophetic sign of what has happened spiritually that's who the church is the ecclesia and the first time we really see the church in the new testament is in Acts chapter 2 where uh, the church spills out onto the streets of Jerusalem and Peter one of the Early Disciples of Jesus preaches the first gospel message, the message of the good news of Jesus. And on that day, 3,000 people say yes to become disciples of Christ. And the first church is born on that moment. So if you want to find out what the church really is, start there in Acts chapter 2. And I'd encourage you to read Acts chapter 2 a few times in its entirety, just to refresh yourself what the church is meant to look like when it was first born and we've kind of boiled this down into a statement that you've already heard in the video that we've watched today. And the statement is this, this, this these are 12 characteristics of the people of God, the church. What is the church? The church is a community where Jesus is the king, the one who has brought people home to the Father and empowers them with his spirit to live in grace-filled obedience to his word. They follow God-appointed servant leaders and devote themselves to a culture of love and cross-centered family as they worship and pray together. They live with radical compassion, believing for signs and wonders, as they share and demonstrate the gospel of the kingdom and multiply disciples to the very ends of the earth. That's the church. And if that doesn't excite you, I don't know what will because that is a breathtaking picture of what biblical church really looks like. 12 powerful, powerful God characteristics. If I had to sum all those sentences into just 12 words, to define the church, it would be this, King, Father, Spirit, Word, Leadership, Love, Family, Worship, Compassion, Miracles, Kingdom and Disciples. This is what the church looks like. And so briefly, I'm going to cover the first four of those statements. Now, I guess more of the upwards statements of who the church is, they're the God focused characteristics and the first one is that the church is a community where Jesus is king. So Peter, in verse 36 of Acts 2, as he's finishing his message to the crowds in Jerusalem, he says this, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God." and be baptised in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. So the first characteristic of the church is we discover this. The church is an assembly of people who've made Jesus the King. They've made Jesus the Lord. And this happens in the passage that we've just read here because the crowds hear peter's powerful sermon where he says this jesus whom you crucified has now been raised from the dead he's ascended to the throne at the right hand of god he has been made lord and messiah and their natural question to this conclusion is what must we now do and peter says two very simple things repent of your sin and be baptised. Those two things. And so the church right at the off places Jesus at the centre as their King of Kings, their Lord of Lords. The one to whom they surrender. There's this, this acknowledgement that Jesus was the one that we crucified. But God has raised him to a place of highest authority. And therefore our, our surrender and submission in worship to him is the only logical response and they repent which simply means they change their minds they turn away they turn towards God and as a sign of what's happened in their hearts they get baptized in water so the church starts by making Jesus the King he's the boss in everything the second thing that we see is that the church is a place where Jesus brings us home to the Father Peter says in verse 39 of Acts 2, he says, This promise is for you, for your children, for all who are far off, for everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. So, secondly, the church is a group of people who have been brought close to their father God. I love this. I love the fact that the church is uh, not just a group of slaves following a master but actually we're a group of sons and daughters who found our spiritual home. We have found our Heavenly Father and Jesus through the cross and his resurrection, through his teaching, has been the one who has introduced us and brought us back home to the Father. And that's why all of the New Testament instructions always talk in such family terms. Because the New Testament writers never saw the church as an organisation and always as a community and a family. It talks about brothers and sisters. It talks about us being God's offspring. About us being born of God. About us having a father. About being his sons. About being adopted into his family. All that language is the language of family. Because fundamentally the church is a place where we discover that God is our father. Abba, father. Beautiful. I love that about the church. You know, Ephesians 1 in the message version just paints this so beautifully. It says this, Ephesians 1 verse 3, it says, How blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he takes us to the high places of blessing in him long before he laid down earth's foundations he had us in mind and had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love long long ago he decided to adopt us into his family through jesus christ and what pleasure he took in planning this jesus is king yes but he has brought us home to a loving Heavenly Father. Who is the church? Well, the church ultimately is God's kids. You mess with the church, you mess with God's children. And that is a serious business. And so we are those that are defined by the love of the Father. Thirdly, third characteristic is that we are those who have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Peter says in his message, Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far away. The church was actually birthed in an encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit. Just a few verses before at the start of Acts chapter 2 we find the disciples of Jesus gathered in an upper room where he had told them to wait and they receive the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a remarkable encounter where they are changed from those who are very fearful into those who are suddenly bold and courageous and full of power to share the gospel with others in Jerusalem. And fundamentally the church is a dwelling place of the spirit on the earth. We're a people where God's presence rests. And this is one of the things that beautifully distinguishes us from all other people on the planet. You know, you could go to a social club down the road and drink with your friends. You could join a choir and sing songs like we do in church. You could go to Costa Coffee and get a cup of coffee like you may be doing church. You could find friends and community and all sorts of other ways on the planet. Why then go to church? What is it that makes church unique and different and distinct from all those other social gatherings on the planet? And here is the answer, my friends. The church is the dwelling place of God by the Holy Spirit. God is amongst us. God is amongst us. You know, when I was age 10, I remember going to a meeting Uh, where I saw someone healed for the very first time and it was remarkable I saw this guy's leg grow by about this much and it was just a remarkable encounter with a God who was living and alive and amongst his people and I went home saying to my parents Jesus is alive why because I'd seen his presence I'd felt tangibly his presence amongst his people in a way that left me utterly changed and ruined for anything anything less The church is a place where he empowers his people by the spirit. You know, Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 2 verse 21, describing the church. He says, through him, you Gentiles are being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. You know, God no longer dwells in special places. He dwells in special people. Who is the church? We're a temple of the spirit the dwelling place of God. And then lastly, we live in grace-filled obedience to God's word. Verse 42 of Acts 2 says that all the believers, this is the first church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The church community quickly became a community that gathered around the Word of God. They wanted to not just hear the Word, but also put it into practice in their lives. And that's why we see such radical descriptions about the early church, that they sold everything they had to give to anyone that had need. They sold homes even to give to the poor. There was this radical obedience, people even giving up their lives rather than compromise radical living and obedience. And so this is what we find in the early church, that they gathered around and submitted to God's words. And, you know, for us, we've got to work out what this looks like in our day and age. You know, we've got to move from a a discipleship model where disciples are attenders of meetings. Well, that, friends, was never a biblical viewpoint on discipleship. Discipleship was always hearing and obeying joyfully the word of God. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is someone who hears and obeys, who, who absorbs the word of God and then works out how to put that into practice in our lives. That's who the church is. And friends, sadly, many people are throwing the Bible out. But I would suggest to you, you throw the Bible out or you start to carve it up with scissors and do a cut and paste job on scripture. Friends, if you do that, you don't have church anymore. The church fundamentally is a group of people who gather around the authority of the word of God in scripture. Scripture is our plumb line. We come to submit to it, not the other way around. And friends, in this season, I believe we are going to discover again the the joy, the grace-filled joy of not just hearing, but putting the word of God into practice. And this is a joyful thing. Obeying the word of God is not some kind of dutiful driven thing that we demand from people but rather because we love Christ and we hunger for his words we hunger to live those words and put them into practice so in conclusion yes the church on earth is not perfect But God has not finished with his church. He has a plan and a perfect purpose for his people, the church. And Revelation, when you get to the end of the book, has this glorious description of the church, that the church is made up of people from every tribe, every language, every tongue on the earth. And together we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We will have one song. Friends, when you get to glory, you're not going to be in a desert island worshipping Jesus with just you and your cup of tea. You are going to be with thousands upon thousands upon thousands of other believers from all sorts of different backgrounds and heritages and you are going to be worshipping together with one song that goes something like this, worthy is the lamb who was slain Worthy to receive honour and thanks and glory and praise and power. We will join with one song gathered around the throne adoring our great King Jesus. I tell you, God has a magnificent purpose for his church. And I pray as we look at this series, you will rediscover again what on earth the church is really for. God bless you today.